The Israel-Hamas war enters its sixth week with the Israeli military surrounding the terrorist organization's headquarters located under a hospital. So how long could the conflict go on? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's get started. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Coming up, U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping are meeting for the first time in a year. Plus, the U.S. Supreme Court has announced its first formal code of conduct governing the ethical behavior of its nine justices. But first... The Israeli military has surrounded a hospital in Gaza, demanding that Hamas surrender the headquarters Israel says lies below the facility. Meanwhile, the U.S. struck back against Iranian proxy terrorist groups based in Syria, killing at least six. All this as the Israel-Hamas war enters its sixth week. For more, we're joined by Alex Trayman, the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. Thank you so much for your time today, Alex. Now, Israel has called on Hamas to surrender its hospital base. What more can you tell us? Well, the IDF has actually entered into the Shifa Hospital in the middle of Gaza City, which they have been using as a command center. Uh, the IDF found uh, weapons caches uh, and also other evidence that the site was used as a command center. There are also tunnels that are uh, in and around the, the bottom of the hospital that Hamas is believed to have been using, uh, both to escape the hospital and to, to conduct uh, other terror operations. Now, when we were learning more about this whole uh, situation, you know, the IDF says it is working on transferring incubators from Israel to Gaza. You know, Israel maintains that it's not looking to harm civilians. Do you think this part of the story is underreported globally? I think just in the last 24 hours, we're starting to see the United States uh assert, in fact, that the Al-Shifa hospital is being used by Hamas as a command center, uh, and others are starting to to recognize this because the IDF actually waited so many days in order to get the message out that this is a, a Hamas command center uh, before entering. Uh, but of course, you know, there are many uh, media outlets and even world leaders like Justin Trudeau who have in Canada who have said that uh, Israel should not be attacking a humanitarian infrastructure like a hospital. Of course, once a terror organization uses a hospital for military means, that removes the uh, humanitarian distinction uh, from that kind of civilian infrastructure. We've heard Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu offer a dire warning to America, saying that they may be next if Israel defense forces do not decimate Hamas. How important do you think it is for people to hear this? Well, I think that uh, Israel really wants uh, the United States and the international community to understand that you this is part of the the battle that it has waged against ISIS, against Al-Qaeda in the past. Hamas is just the latest iteration of this. Uh, and those that fund Hamas, uh, including the Iranians, uh, they are quick to note that uh, they don't only want to see death to Israel, they want to see death to America. They consider Israel to be the little Satan while they consider America to be the big Satan. 
Now, I'm sure you saw that you know tens of thousands of protesters descended on Washington, D.C. to peacefully stand in solidarity with Israel. They're also calling for Hamas to release the hostages and demanded an end to the rising anti-Semitism that's sweeping across the nation and around the world. What were your thoughts watching this from Jerusalem? Well, it wasn't a protest. It was actually a rally in support of the state of Israel uh, and certainly a call uh, for the hostages to be released and, and also uh, a rally to stand up against the mounting anti-Semitism that's been uh, increasing in the United States, both soft and violent anti-Semitism. I think for Israel, it was very important to see uh, the Jewish and the pro-Israel community uh, stand up within the United States. They've seen so many of these uh, anti-Israel, pro-Hamas protests around the world uh, and maybe have felt a little bit isolated. To see such a large crowd uh, stand up and rally in support of Israel was definitely heartwarming at this time. Now, of course, you know, we do know that Hamas has been, uh, you know, dealt several blows. Do you have any inclination in terms of what their goals and options are now? Could a potential end to this be in sight? Well, Hamas is losing control of the Gaza Strip. You know, you've already seen close to a million residents of the northern Gaza Strip flee to the south. Uh, you, the IDF has destroyed so much of the uh, infrastructure uh, that Hamas had. They've destroyed over 300 entrances to the tunnel network. They've confiscated a tremendous amount of weapons. Uh, and the rockets that Hamas have been firing on Israeli population centers appear to be uh, slowly dwindling down. Uh, so there's not much left that Hamas can do uh, to defeat the IDF, which is a much, much more powerful force uh, than Hamas can can possibly hope to to uh, put together. Uh, and the question is just how long do they hold out and, and will they surrender? If they surrender unilaterally and if they release the hostages, I think that this uh, battle could be over very quickly. But if they continue to hunker down inside their tunnels and continue to attack the IDF as they march through the Gaza Strip, this could take weeks longer. Now, of course, we saw the horrific attacks back on October 7th in Israel, and, and now the IDF has moved into Gaza. You know, for the surrounding areas, communities, neighborhoods, you know, even for yourself, for people who are watching, you know, what is it like now, uh, you know, living in Israel, which is, again, de defending itself, um, you know, and, and bringing the fight to Hamas? Well, you actually have over 200,000 Israelis that are displaced. Everybody talks about the uh, Gazans that have been displaced from their homes. 200,000 Israelis who live along the Gaza envelope and also who live along the envelope uh, near the Israel's northern border with uh, southern Lebanon, where Hezbollah is stationed. You know, they have all been evacuated from their homes. Uh, so there's a tremendous crisis in Israel as well. And also with 300,000 uh, troops called up, you know, these are five fathers, brothers, sons, daughters of Israeli families. Uh, and so there's a tremendous tension with so many different soldiers uh, around the country, uh, you know, threatening, uh, you know, ready to go or participating currently in, in battle. It's a, there's, a, there's a lot of tension here, but Israelis are, are very resilient people and they're, they're used to crisis situations and they do try to get back to the normal lifetime routine uh, despite, uh, despite the conflict. Alex Trayman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for speaking with us from Jerusalem. Thank you. 
U.S. President Joe Biden is meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in San Francisco. This is the first time in a year the leaders are meeting for talks that may ease friction between the two superpowers. Chinese leader Xi Jinping arrived in San Francisco on Tuesday for his first trip to the U.S. in six years and a face-to-face -face meeting with President Joe Biden. Biden said earlier in the day he hopes the meeting will help improve relations under strain between the two superpowers. Xi and Biden have not met since last year, and it will be the first time Biden has hosted Xi on U.S. soil since taking office. The two will also both take part in the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit of world leaders this week. However, just before Xi's landing, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken appeared to take a veiled shot at China, telling ministers of the 21 APEC nations that the U.S. believed in, quote, a region where economies are free to choose their own path, where goods, ideas, people flow lawfully and freely. Blinken didn't mention China by name, but his words appeared to echo previous accusations against China of bullying smaller countries in the Indo-Pacific and trying to undermine the so-called rules-based order. Economic issues are expected to be high on Biden and Xi's agenda. Political analysts say Xi may hope to persuade Biden to ease up on tariffs and controls that have aimed to keep advanced computer chips out of China's hands. Taiwan is another point of contention. Elections there are slated for next year. China will likely look for U.S. assurances it won't encourage pro-independence on the island. Beijing claims democratically governed Taiwan as its own territory. And American officials will likely seek to re-establish military-to-military contact. China severed that following then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan last year. The White House earlier said other talking points will include human rights, the Israel-Hamas conflict and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The U.S. Supreme Court has announced its first formal code of conduct governing the ethical behavior of its nine justices. The move comes after months of outside pressure over revelations of undisclosed, undisclosed luxury trips and hobnobbing with wealthy benefactors. The U.S. Supreme Court on Monday unveiled its first formal ethics code. That comes after months of outside pressure following revelations of luxury trips, elbow-rubbing with wealthy benefactors, and other questions surrounding Supreme Court members, in particular conservative Justice Clarence Thomas. Thomas was the subject of media reports this year around failures to disclose gifts of luxury travel from a wealthy GOP donor. The new nine-page code states justices should not let outside relationships influence their official conduct or judgment and spells out restrictions on their participation in fundraising, as well as reiterating limits on the accepting of gifts. It also states that justices should not, quote, to any substantial degree, use judicial resources or staff for non-official activities. Unlike other federal judiciary members, the Supreme Court's nine life-tenured justices have long acted with no binding ethics code. A Supreme Court statement said the decision to issue a code aimed to, quote, dispel this misunderstanding held by some, the justices on the top court do not see themselves as bound by ethics rules. Senate Democrats, including Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who have pushed to legislate an ethics code for the nation's top judicial body, hailed the announcement as a step in the right direction. 
but said it does not go far enough. They called the lack of any enforcement mechanism a, quote, glaring omission, which leaves the door open for justices to simply ignore the new code. Thanks so much for watching In America Today. I'm Veronica Dudo. For more, head to tickernews.co. I'll see you soon. More right after this.